0: This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. As if there's a here to be wherever you are. Thanks for being there. Today, my guest is Jeff Warren. Jeff and I met a handful of years ago. He came to a an everyman retreat that I facilitated and ran, and uh, I fell in love, not not dramatically, not romantically, uh, but just human to human. I had found Jeff's writing uh, about meditation and consciousness I, I think a year before I met him and just became a real fan and was excited that I got to meet him and, and do some men's work with him. Um, Jeff and I, on this conversation, dive into parenthood. Jeff has two kids, and uh, around the ages of mine, younger kids, and has been really honestly and directly wrestling with that, as all of us do. And I believe his his background in meditation, consciousness, self-awareness, and all the practices that he teaches and writes about um, really come to bear with, with children, and that's a lot of our conversation here. A lot of our conversation is being honest about the difficulty being honest about the role that meditation can and uh, could possibly play uh, for you or for anyone in the job of fatherhood and parenting. And on that note, I just, I guess before the, the podcast starts, I just want to share my uh, current status and I guess gratitude for all of the, let's just talk about meditation for a second. I've, I've been meditating since, formally since I was 27 27 or 28, I've been studying with a teacher named Dr. Reggie Ray and a school called Dharma Ocean. And it's a Tibetan Buddhist uh, style of meditation or lineage. And it's a somatically oriented lineage, at least the way that that uh, Reggie Ray teaches it. And what that means is that the meditation is not in your head. It's actually using your body, using the felt sense of your body as the, the basis for your meditation. And this just deeply, deeply resonated with me when I was 27 and just as much resonates with me now that I'm an old man. And uh, I, again, am just so grateful as into how this has played into my life as a dad and my life, you know, just as a man. And I feel like one of the unsung things um, that meditation or this type of meditation can bring you, what it's brought me, is just the ability to be where I am and enjoy the good moments. And I guess it also means the ability to stay present, at least attempt to stay present with some tools in the midst of difficulty. But what I want to talk about right now is is just the the capacity to let in the good when it is good. And this last weekend, it's Monday morning, I'm, re- I'm recording this intro. And this last weekend was nothing fancy. We didn't go do anything pretty or, or wild. We actually just did a lot of yard work. Um, I got my chainsaw out and cut some trees up, and we're getting our garden ready for the week. But there was just these times where, where all three kids and Elise and I were just so there, right? So so in sync, something simple like a popsicle on the deck after, you know, in the hot sun, um, dragging woods with my with my older boy, and, you know, he's starting to really... Intentionally want to get stronger, so we're having pull around logs around the yard and help me clear brush and help me dig trenches and just lovely. And I, I, do you need to meditate in order to enjoy that? No. Did I need to meditate a bunch to learn to let go and be present, not in my head? Yeah, I think so. And so that's what I'm coming into this conversation with Jeff, just in the back of my mind today um, that. I'm I'm a bit burnt out on let's be a hero and fix our life and some you know intense level of personal growth, but um, I have not burnt out at all on the the intrinsically pragmatic and helpful benefit of uh, contemplative practice such as meditation to truly help us learn how to to work with ourselves with our heads with our minds with our thoughts with our bodies with our emotions all the things. And I do believe that that directly, directly impacts how we show up as a parent, how we relate to our kids, how we relate to ourselves in the context of being a father. And uh, can't I just can't, uh, I can't suggest it enough. So thank you for listening to my Ramble. Um, Jeff is just an awesome, awesome guy. You can find his work at Jeff Warren. Dot com Just a little more bio on Jeff. He co-wrote a book called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. He wrote a book called The Head Trip. He founded the Consciousness Explorers Club. And I know he's on YouTube on the Do Nothing Project. And uh, the dude's funny. He's sharp as hell, smart as hell, uh, deeply dedicated dad. He, he shares openly about some mental health issues and how that impacts his fatherhood as well. Um, I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I know I get an immense amount out of Jeff uh, Jeff's presence and words and thoughts, and, and I hope you do too. I'm excited, Jeff. To I don't know. It's this has been I think many months in the planning. We've 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 uh, we've been at this conversation the the pre the pre part for quite a while. But um, I'm excited, first of all, to. Just talk to you in general. I, I, every conversation we've ever had kept me, left me stimulated and, and curious, and sort of in a good place. So um, excited to have you on the show, and I think um, you're probably one of the first two episodes to to ever air. So um, that's on purpose. I'm excited about that. Well, I feel honored. Um. All right, man. So where where do we start? How about give us? Let's start from an experiential place. Will you? uh let us in on one memory so far as a parent that was just just divine. That was just incredible. that that just sort of like hit a note of, I don't know fulfillment or whatever.
1: Oh, man, I mean, I'll just start with last night. Um, my little guy, i got I got two kids. I got a six month year old Sasha, and I have a three month year old Eden. Eden is uh, homesick at the moment, like pretty much every kid and parent I know. You know, we're in the uh, the COVID flu cold season respiratory combo moment. Uh, so he's been homesick from daycare the past couple of days, and um, and at the same time, our baby is sick, and our baby is having a lot of trouble with the sleep training and So baby was up in the night freaking out as he's been up every night for the past two months and woke up my toddler and my toddler was super scared and freaking out. Um, and he's been just, he's just recently moved to a big boy bed or this big bed. And he's sort of, he's actually very independent little guy, you know, at the end of the night, you know, my wife usually puts him down or I'll put him down and it's like, okay, mama. Okay. dad, Good night. He's like, see you later. (laughs) But anyway, he was not in that mode in the middle of the night. He was super scared. And we're having this whole thing go on at home around his, you know, me being around him actually excites him so much that he doesn't sleep well. So my my wife now does more of the bedtime stuff. So at first she went in to reassure him, but he wanted that, that, you know, I could hear him saying that, 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 So I went in and that's the moment. Yeah, mm. that moment of immediately he just the way he leans into me that complete and total trust the the sense of being able to enfold him as this caregiver protector um the ability of my nervous system to settle his nervous system that the sudden click like this calibration uh mm. the vulnerability in him the and the love that's just pouring out of me, out of my wife, who's so grateful <laughs> out of him. And it's just this tableau, you know, and it's, we're in the, and it's the middle of the night and I'm leaning awkwardly over on one side and he's kind of popped up over my arm and my wife is kind of holding his hand and it's the three of us there and it's the wind and the trees outside and it's cold in Canada, dude, <laughs> and it's, but it's warm in that little room and it's just this little that's it. It's like a painting. You know, if I was Raphael, that's what I would have painted just that. And I get that every day. Yeah. Uh, And I know you know what I'm talking about.
0: I mean, yeah, all the way, especially when you, when you said like the, the, the bringing them in for the, for the, for the embrace and that, that click that, you know, or the alignment, space opens oh yeah gosh it's just like, and does
1: anything feel better than that you know just yeah uh yeah I, I mean that yeah i mean that has been the big learning for me as yeah. a as a parent is how to yeah. hold that space you know because there's a mm. part of it comes naturally for us and then there's parts of it that are challenging where we, we don't stay in contact in that and that's kind of like the in a sense that situation is an easier kind of situation you know they're they want you there they're they're fearful you know they're just this little person and you're this big yeah. person and there's this uh for me it's easy to slip into that mode uh, that there's challenges though on the other side where i i have a harder time being present and helping that click happen and so sure. that's where really the that's where the curriculum is you know
0: yeah for sure i think you know just my sort of preference sometimes or style is i mean we'll get into some of the challenging things i think that's really helpful and valuable but i think we sometimes speed over the the beauty oh, yeah, yeah. B- b- too you know <laughs> i don't need i don't feel compelled to to chase into the that too quickly um what I wanted to share though, like in terms of that, that alignment, that clicking that moment, the the thing that, that has really, really over and over and over blown my mind is how it actually feels to sit, you know, in whatever space as a full family, as, as like love and, as, as like love and connection is just kind of full force flowing, you know, it's just, and, and you kind of had these moments where I'm like oh my like just saturated in love you know and the that (laughs) that bond that little crew family bond it's just like holy shit this is you know I mean I had a very loving family growing up and there was you know it's not totally foreign to me but I think um uh you know getting used to that level of just real free of flowing love is is really wild. And I, it's actually something I think is need, we need to practice sometimes, you know, or intentionally yeah. open, open. Well, I it. was,
1: that's kind of what came up for me when you were saying that is that I think I had this idea for a long time that if that before I had a family and beginning of that, when that happens, it's like grace, you know, that it's, yeah you can't, you can set up the conditions for it to happen, but you can't force it or will it, um, And it it does happen. And and I have a slightly different, you know, now just to what you said, I, I recognize that it's also a practice and I, I'm getting clearer and clearer on what that practice looks like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I I mean, in some ways it's very simple. It's simple. It's simple, but not easy. The, the practice of genuinely putting down your bags. Yeah. (laughs) Being open to the creative possibilities of the moment. And it's so hard. I mean, my bags with my boy, there's one kind of, there's one set of luggage that I'm bringing in with my boys, with my wife, there's another set. And and it's very easy to only be operating from that. But if you can put down all the, the expectations or the, oh, you should have done this, it could have been like this, or I wanted this to happen, or I'm like this, or whatever all the things are. And it's interesting to actually map some of those out because I think just the process of naming them can be helpful. It has been helpful for me. And when I hear other people talk about this, Um, but, you know, putting, trying to, as best as possible, notice that and put those down. It's like, even in this conversation, dude, it's like, okay, what do I put down my agenda? Even if what what I want to say, there's the look That's there's Dan is, his like, I'm seeing you over zoom. There's that look in your face. The, can I be available to this exact person? There's a kind of settling and and availability and then from this place you can just feel that you want to respond more respectfully Mm. curiously gently lovingly it's and you know that's my practice again and again with my you know both my wife and my my kids can i just okay then then it's like what is What's going to happen now? And then the things he's saying or she's saying, there's something you're interested or curious about. It's like it just goes from there. Yeah. Uh, all the best connection stuff happens there, and so that's and that that's to me that's that sets up that place of free flowing love.
0: Man. Yeah. 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 Well said. Um, I was hoping at the beginning conversation to talk about equanimity a little bit, and mm. it's I mean perennially, you know, I've I've enjoyed your writing um and your work for a long time but you know that's a topic that both in conversation but also through you know sort of ingesting some of your um other work too it's it's at the it's a, it's one of the first three bullet points that comes up when i when i think about you and and i and i think it's a really fitting um entry point to talk about the, you know the whole fatherhood parenting mm-hmm. adventure um would you would you give your sort of working definition or how you think about equanimity in kind of a simple simple way?
1: Well, actually, it's exactly what I just described. Okay, <laughs> you know, okay. for me, equanimity is availability. It's not. Um, I mean, technically, it's not pushing or pulling on experience. It's not um, either trying to uh, prevent yourself from feeling something or from something to happen. It's not. It's about not trying to control a situation. Uh, to game it. It's not coming from a place of reaction. It's just being at the kind of still point or being in the middle of what's actually here. And you're not, and it's a, it's a practice. It's something we spontaneously drop into all the time where there's just a moment when we're just open and available and we feel connected. That's spontaneous equanimity is happening. You can't have that sense of connection without it. But what happens is a lot of the time we're not in it. We're in the some form of reaction and that creates a kind of, you know, a separation between us and what's happening. And we all know what that feels like you know, for different people. It's a, you feel in different ways, but it could be a sense of alienated being on the outside. It could be a place of just being lost in your uh, emotions or your reactions to things or a place of intense judgment. And so, but, you know, those things are all going to come up as part of being human. Equanimity is taking a moment to breathe out to soften through the front of the body. It often comes shows up in the body as a kind of bracing or tension. And then just to allow its vulnerability too. another way to talk about it, because it's allowing the full, exp- whatever's here to be here, which is a very vulnerable thing to do both internally and externally. If you're going to express from that place, although there's yeah. a intelligence still operating here, like, is this the right timing to express something at the right moment? Um, but you always express it internally with equity. You're always letting yourself feel what you feel. It's the game changing. It's beyond important. It's the central piece in living. Well, it's a central piece in contemplative transformation. It's a, sem- yep. it's a central piece in someone who doesn't give a crap about meditation and just wants to be a human being. And it's a central piece. If you're interested in living a more expanded, vital, transformed life.
0: And with, I think the it's the central piece in what our children, one of the things our children Absolutely. need from us that they, that at least statistically many either didn't get or aren't getting. I, that's, that's my, that's my book. That that when you're, is, when you're being,
1: when you're yeah. an equanimous, you're in presence. Yeah. And when you're in presence, that's when you're going to impact your kids in terms of yeah. you're being able that calibration, them calibrating to you, you being a role model. You know, your kids are learning from you when you're in reactivity. I don't know if they're if you want them to be learning what they're learning, but it's inevitable, they will. But yeah. they're really learning from you when you're an economist, when you're you know it's like that's the that's the learning that happens nervous system to nervous system.
0: yeah, a hundred percent that's that's the like duplicating of the system, right? that's that's the that's the one drive right, going up to the other drive just basically being downloaded with the pattern, the imprint, totally. you know, what you were saying there. I, I love that, but I was going to add, um, they're also learning when, when, to watch us vacillate between the two, right. Or to recover equanimity, to oh, recover absolutely. presence, right. Brilliant. That, that, that function point, there. dude. Yeah. So key. yeah. yeah. Recover faster.
1: That's better. Yeah. yeah. recover faster. You're not, you're going to screw up. Oh, yeah. big time. Can you recover faster? Hey, can you make your repair? I apologize. Yeah. I, I can't. I did this thing. You know that's huge. That's yeah. that's a big learning too. There's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> learning everywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, was just I listened to a recent podcast with a, I'm going to forget her name, so I'll, I'll make it anonymous. Um, but just a just a, a really I think a, a well stated opinion that uh, if we show up. Like a Buddha, like a sustained Buddha for our kids. Like they're actually gonna really be fucked uh, because they're gonna go out mm-hmm. in the world where nobody else ever meets them mm-hmm. with that level of. So, I uh, um, it, it was a nice note of of. Uh, I guess I I'm just that. saying it, just saying it to not like lay a trip on anybody, you know, to think that you know you're gonna find perfect equanimity every moment you interact with your child, right? Because that actually wouldn't be the best training.
1: It would be impossible anyway. You yeah. want to give your kids some personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, all right. So I came up with four questions. And they all have the the same beginning. Um, and I'm not sure which, which order do I want to do. So the, the entrance to the question is, how has your transition to parenthood or fatherhood, dot, dot, dot. Uh, basically, how has your transition to parenthood fucked with, dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> and the first one is um has it fucked with your identity or how is it you know we can i don't need to use that that phrase but how, how has it impacted your sense of self and self-regard uh
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually uh on both sides of the ledger you know um i like what you said at the beginning about focusing on the the joyful positive so i'll start with that but there's been a flip side um not that it's a negative side but there's been a hard learning as well as a mm-hmm. A gift. The gift is um, the gift is knowing what I'm here to do now. <laughs> this yeah. complete clarification of my priorities, like tr- it's just never been more clear. I know exactly why I'm here and what I'm here to do. And that sense of being I'm a dad is just so deep in my body. Like there was a I had friends even say that your whole body transformed, your whole energy transformed. When you became a dad, it just like I just ground down so hard because the bio the biology in me knew what to do in a way. Um, and that has been incredible. Um so that clarification of uh, you know uh where I am in the world, you know, the sense of priorities that it's given me the sense of kind of grounding um, and confidence in a way, um, all those things, uh, you know, also it's a, it's a forced plunge into no self, <laughs> at least yeah. the first stage of no self in the sense that it's no longer about you. And I was relieved to be over my, cause I'm <laughs> over myself. <laughs> it's like, I'm so bored of my shit. <laughs> so it was like, it's not about you. It's about this bigger group, and it's like, and I have to. My nervous system is just expanded by. Well, now it's expanded. First, expanded by two when I got married. Then three. Now it's four, and and I am at the moment when I, and my needs are secondary. Uh, they're important, and that's a whole thing. That balance, uh, that impossible balance. It's it's important to talk how our needs are important too. But you know. <laughs> whatever you know what you need to do in the yeah. middle of the night you know you need your sleep yeah. and you know you need to be with your little person so so it's yeah. so that sense of like it's given me a bigger identity literally um and but but it, the cost is uh the old kind of freedom the old mm. identity of who i was the person I, and it in a sense the cost was me being the the person I used to be that I felt was interesting to myself. I don't find myself to be interesting to myself anymore before when it was all about me, I was like, I was cool. I could say funny things. I was like edgy. I was interested in, I was interested in the big issues. I was the center of my own, I was a superstar in my own movie, you know? Yeah. And, and it was exciting. And I was, I was having peak experiences and I was single and I was, and I was going out to bars and dance parties and I was traveling the world and I was doing extreme sports and, it was all so cool and awesome. And I mourn all that <laughs> stuff because it all just is gone. Now I'm changing diapers and I'm just like, if I'm not working, I'm w- helping work with my kids. I can't get out of the goddamn house. I don't see any of my friends. I don't exercise. I haven't showered in four days. You know, I look like shit. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's what I lost.
0: <laughs> and that's a real loss. Oh, man, isn't it ever? Yeah. I'm going to interrupt this conversation to tell you about a course that's offered on my website. It's called intentional fathering. And the the basis for this is the recognition that the job of being a dad today is overwhelmingly larger than it was a generation ago. There is a huge uptick in expectation that is laid upon us as fathers today. And I'm actually very grateful for that, but it does leave a really large gap in terms of skills, in terms of perspective, in terms of initiation and in terms of really just our basic understanding of ourselves in the role of fatherhood. Some of the stuff that we get into in this course includes clear and honest communication, how to be fully straight with your emotions and not just repress them all, developing the awareness and the ability to pay deeper attention, perspectives on balancing work and home life how to track the needs of yourself and the needs of your family and how to really balance both being present and soft and uh, caring with the, the wild need to not fuck around, to take huge action, to kill it at work, to take care of business, all of the things and all of it put together. Fundamentally, what this course is about, what I believe fatherhood is about is learning to allow to give and receive more love in both directions. I think that's what it's all about. Anyway, that's a bit of a long uh, ad for this course, but I put a lot into it and a lot of men have been giving really great reviews. It's called Intentional Fathering. You can find it on com slash intentional fathering. You know, part of part of what really excites me about this and these conversations is, is that, um, so that exact thing, that that shift in consciousness, different for everybody, obviously, through your own experience, but but there is... There's very clear pattern, patterning, obviously, uh, that, that happens through this process. And I think even just talking about that, you know, Copernican or what, just that, that shift of- The revolution. Of, Yeah, shift of the center of reality. Man, it's it's like, you know, I did tons of meditation, men's work, different, different shit, like all of my uh, young adult life until I became a father. And then, and then that happened, that thing happened. And it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like it came out of nowhere, but it was, but it felt brand fucking new too. It's just like, oh, and it's, so I'm not trying to help people learn a lesson that they have to experience, but, but I think just like opening the door and talking about that a little more, it's really, it's just so critical. And I see, I see a lot of dads and, or maybe, maybe I imagine this, I think it's true, but I imagine there's a lot of dads out there that are somewhere you know, stuck on that spectrum of identity shift and and not knowing how to, has no language for it, no way to talk about it, no one to talk about it with. And it's so, you know, recently one of the things that's been coming up uh, with a lot of dads has been the moment where we where we recognize and choose that this new family is our primary family and that we have phased out of the old and turned yeah. our attention and said this is now my focus this is my responsibility so anyway that's that's an example of of that spectrum that i see where it's just like okay All right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's such a huge shift in how and how you experience life, right? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: deep. It's about it's deeply sobering because it's about also mortality. You know, you I have never I didn't understand my own parents until I became a parent, really, and I didn't understand the arc of life, where and this is just my take on it. But to be young is to be at that center of the world. And actually the culture caters to you uh, that wrongly, I think, but I think it's still just the default, the kid, the young energetic person, you know, the exciting adult in their twenties and thirties, the, whatever the center of the universe. And then there's this transition where you realize, Oh, you're now, you're not the wallpaper, but you're now holding space for this next thing to come. And mm-hmm. it's like, part of it is that your time, is now it's not over, but your time as a young person in that way is over and it's moving into a new role. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's like, it's ushering you. It is marching you down your life towards the second half Mm -hmm. where there is a different role. There's a different set of expectations there. And um, I think part of what you grieve when you become a parent is you grieve being in that center. Uh, you, You you didn't even know that what you had when you were young, you know, it's the same thing like youth is wasted on the young, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, yeah, and so it's just it's and I see my parents and I see the humility that my parents have as a way they've they learned this lesson a long time ago. Now they're grandparents, they're yeah. they're even further, they're even closer to the threshold, you know, and there's a different, and so the relationship between and you, you as the middle-aged person here, where you have your parents still alive—if you have them still alive—and your kids underneath you, all the mm-hmm. pressure, all, the whole fulcrum is right on you. <laughs> and yet you're not even the—it's all on you. And yet you're not the hero. <laughs> it's like you don't even get to be the hero. You just have to be the one cleaning the dishes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Um, so you led into this already, uh, but my one of my for ends of this question was, and I think you already named it, but I'm curious to hear more on your sense of purpose and you know maybe what was purpose in the chapter previously and and what has this you know turning chapter shaped if these yeah so if your purpose was the title of two chapters one before kids one after what would you give it yeah uh,
1: you know it's interesting it's the same I know. I, I'm a meditator. I'm a meditation teacher. I, I'm lucky that somehow, when I was younger, I was I, I was quite connected to a sense of like wanting to help people, you know. And there was a lot of neurotic stuff mixed up in that, and non-altruistic stuff for sure. But I had a clear sense that my purpose, in a sense, was to was to teach my healing, was to uh, mm-hmm. you know try to turn my own suffering, which was considerable, into support for somebody else. And so I did that before I was a parent. But I did it as an idealist. Mm-hmm. I did it with a gap between the way I was living and what I thought it meant to be that. Being a, becoming a parent has closed that gap, it, not entirely, but it's closed it more. It's made it very real. Mm-hmm. So my purpose is to be real, <laughs> is to make this challenge uh, and the gifts of this real and relatable, and that's the that's the thing. In a sense, I'm trying to learn myself, and it's the thing I have to. Pass on or to share with anybody else, uh, and not in a vertical way because that's not the way I do it, but in a peer-to-peer kind of right. uh, mm-hmm. way, but one that acknowledges there's learning and uh, you know there is something about learning and eldership and all that. Um, so I would say that's how the the purpose has gotten more um, grounded.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. Um, I would venture an assumption that. Uh, Your teaching has changed, you know, through this transition, but I'm also, the the actual question I wrote down was, how has your transition to fatherhood fucked with your practice? Uh, (laughs) It's the same. It's the same (laughs) conversation. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the same, but now it's in practical practice terms. So before... When I was an idealist <laughs> uh, and I, I was also able to do month long retreats. And, you know, I probably did like two months of sitting retreats a year, you know, all in like mostly week long. But um, and so I had all this time you know, to, to practice and all this formal sitting practice. I have no time. To formally sit now, like none. I'm lucky if I can get five minutes, uh, 10 minutes a day. Once a week, I do the do nothing project. You know, I get 25 minutes, but even that I'm kind of guiding. So it is all about implementing these practices in the moment, on the ground, in real time. Um, and it's a lot harder to do that when you don't have the support of a regular sitting practice. So I will get back to that. I just happen to be in the, you know, in the total shitstorm of two kids under three and all that that is but uh so yeah the, the how it's changed my practice is it's all about practical tools tools for the now um and it has to be a, be able to be applied in the now <laughs> otherwise yeah yeah you know it's not available
0: yeah i mean i i affirm i affirm exactly what you're saying i i recently had a check-in with one of my mentors who's who's a really you know 65 year meditator and uh, informally, like a, a mentor of mine. But, you know, I feel more disconnected from my formal practice actually than ever in my entire meditating, you know, 12, 14 years now, like I've, to the point that if if it it's not causing any sort of alarm in me, but it could, right? It, it's, it's like, man, should I be alarmed about this? Because I, I just, I, I don't feel tied in. And at the same time, I feel more tied in, I guess, you know, than ever. And I don't feel off kilter. I don't feel off base. I feel like I'm, you know, I have my seat under me too, but um,
1: that's amazing to me. Cause I, I, I do feel a bit off base or off kilter. I mean, not, I know I have my priorities, right. um, And I know, and I'm thankful for these in the moment practices, but I find it harder to implement them if I don't have even just a protected 15 minutes a day. It's like the thing about sitting in stillness, it's, it's the training. I mean, life is the real training ground, but this is the gym. This is the gym where you get to deliberately connect your nervous system in a sense, in a very pure, simple culture. You get to where things have begun to settle a bit. You can really see the small calibrations that you can make. You can see what you're holding. You can, cultivate those skills. And it's this protected container that then that taste of it reminds you how to find it in the Mm -hmm. moment. And so I I do feel loss of that. Um, And I look forward to bringing it back. But maybe you work with what you got.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I I just think it's I think (laughs) so I've been doing these classes, which are kind of a boot camp before you become a dad. So it's, it's, you know, for for men who are, um, they've already you know, they're on their path or they're about to, to become a father. And uh, honestly, one of the most st- statistically big concerns they come in with, I mean, one is what about my freedom, which we already kind of touched on. The other <laughs> one is what about my morning routine or what about my practice? And I'm like, just, you know, make a fucking ceremony on it and just say thank you okay. and say goodbye. And I'll see you. No, I'll, I'll see you again one day, you know, it's just Mention like, see, I'm, I'm six idea. years in. I have been plotting for two and a half years to get the level of childcare we need in order to get my mornings back. I just about fucking had it a month ago. And then our au pair situation blew up. And then like literally the week that I was going to get my mornings back for six fucking years. And then it went away. So I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Um, I can go without more, you know, but anyway, you're reminding me of my main
1: practice, <laughs> which is, I choose this," said. Like, "This is the <laughs> curriculum. I choose this. I choose. I want this. I want this austerity. This challenge. I want to be in the dry. <laughs> I want to be in the the arid fields right now, in the desert. You know. I choose this. Uh, I have to say that. If I don't say that, I'm I'm in this grumbly, complaining lack mode, like. You know, uh, and I will whine like a king, like, okay, maybe not like a baby, a baby king. (laughs) You know, so I have to, I have to choose this. So I don't just drive myself and my wife insane with my whining.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. Here's the fourth, the fourth of the questions is how has your transition to fatherhood um, impacted your vision of the future?
1: Oh, wow. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean you mean not just personally but also for
0: yeah both yeah, or... yeah. uh huh, yes. Oh
1: <laughs> okay. Well let's start with the personal. Um I mean they're both personal. That's kind of what that's the punchline in a way, right? Uh I uh, you know I don't think I really understood impermanence until i became a parent because it happens so quickly the changes so and i'm talking like the little hand that once could barely fit in your hand and now holds two fingers or the the little pair of shoes on the on the shelf that is two inches this size you know or the the old pronunciation of some word that suddenly they they nail it and now that time is gone and Mm -hmm. so there is a sense and uh for you know i'll be honest there's a sense kind of 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 joy and of everyday mourning of everyday kind of poignancy of um that those are real losses and there are new gifts emerging every moment i don't i wouldn't i'm not i'm saying it's exactly both and if you're afraid it only to notice the new and you're not and you never and you just never bother noticing what's gone, there's something to me, something unbalanced of this. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, it's what uh, William James called the once born. You're all, yeah. oh yeah, oh, this fresh new, this one this fresh new wonderful thing, but you never speak to what's being lost. That seems, but if you only speak to what's being lost, then you can't see, you know, those new horizons and the new, those new gifts. So, you know, I think personally, it's just been, I feel much more connected to the sense of, time the 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 stakes in every moment of things going disappearing and and new things coming and the stakes also of my my kids pain is so much worse to endure for me than my own pain Mm -hmm. and it's taught me about pain and like what what compassion is what it really means to feel the pain of someone else the pain of the world and um -hmm. because you're that your kids are your they become that the, they are the expression of how life is going to happen in, in your future and in all, in the future. And so you care about, and then so that brings an extra level of caring too, to what's of course happening in the world. Not that I didn't have that before, I did, but now I'm like, I have a much more vivid personal stake in it. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like everything is personal now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and in a way, and so what is that? To truly, when everything is truly personal, in a strange way, everything then becomes impersonal. You know, because if everything is included in that, then it's not about any one thing and it's not about you. So there is also this, the wisdom part of like, the way you survive this is to let it change, is to let it be hard,
0: you know, is to, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's
1: that's kind of a heavy answer, too. but that's have you
0: have you heard, heard the statistic that there's been about one hundred and fifty thousand generations of modern humans? Have you heard that roughly?
1: No, interesting. tell me. I mean, that's from the beginning of like uh, the first walk on on two I, legs. I,
0: I got this secondhand information. I probably shouldn't be saying it out loud, but let's just use it as a vague concept that maybe there's. Uh, you could trace back 150,000 generations of human lineage, possibly. Um, as you were saying that, Jeff, like what I saw was imagining 150,000 dominoes, you know, in a line knocking each other over, and then thinking it takes well what 30 years, roughly, from one domino to hit the other one, and just that that little tiny little touch that that. But I mean, what I get really excited about is just the opportunity to be really intentional with that, with that, imp- yeah. you know, that touching, that impression, That's that beautiful. passing on. It's, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm really grateful that for whatever things needed to come, that even to have this moment in time, that, you know, the dads specifically, um, who are thinking about this shit all the time, you know, mm-hmm. might, might have the opportunity to just be a little bit more um, intentional about it.
1: It's really, it's interesting. That is a very beautiful image that you offered up there because it kind of has the two sides to it. There's the, there's that being intentional with that, that domino finally touching the other zoomed into this is what your life is, but to offer it in on that scale is to also give you a kind of perspective, you know, that it's grand it's generation after generation, it's grandparents after grandparents, after grandparents, and this is the larger body in a way you know it's um and i think that that perspective is helpful when we get lost in our challenges of our moment of our time Mm -hmm. because there's a tendency to when you're in it to think that they must be more severe or stronger or more real than challenges of past times and past generations but i don't know if i was 40 years old in 1939 and the nazis were moving into Poland. I think I would feel like it was about the edge of the end of the world and no differently right. in night, you know, in every other generation and era. Um,
0: I agree with that. So. Uh, I agree with that a hundred percent. And um, yeah, I talked to both of my grandfathers are are now passed, uh, but I, before they both died, I had an, I, I made the opportunity to go interview them and record some long interviews with them. And um, yeah, I don't know. I wish that that's something I've always thought about. I wish there was a way to somehow get a snapshot. Like, how did it feel on the survival human existence scale, you know, in that moment versus World War One? I? I mean, who who knows? It's 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 that's just what it. did they say? Did you ask ask them like what no, the, no, what did but I'm, feel like for them? No, but I went back to sort of listen to something and to see if I had uh, had any questions that were in that realm of how it felt. Um, for my one grandfather on my mom's side, honestly, he was so, he had such a beautiful little tiny world in a, in a little town in North Dakota. And, you know, he, they knew of what was going on outside and I think it was scary, but at the same time, um, it was like 1% of a hundred percent of attention, right? It was, it was a very small part of, of his experience. But, um, it was interesting you now every, every human
1: life. Fills up from the inside with a sense of its own stakes. Always, yeah. Always. There's not like, oh yeah, some of the early lives it was there was it was so loose and easy. It it whatever situation you're in, it fills up. The stakes fill up your life.
0: A hundred percent. What? Um. So going back to what you mentioned is is your purpose, which is to use your own suffering to to um, support others or whatever language you used. In the context of of fatherhood, where does that where does that rubber meet the road? Like, what's 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 the suffering and the gift that that you think is sharpest there?
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's honestly, from a personal perspective, it's kind of hard to talk about without mentioning, giving a little context that my own the challenges of my own nervous system. You know, I'm a meditation teacher. I'm also someone who's been diagnosed with both ADHD and bipolar. Um, And those things create specific challenges in my nervous system (laughs) and interpersonally. And that those, the learning I've had to do there is turns out to be very helpful for the learning we all need to do only because at times it can be kind of an extreme form of that dysregulation you know to have both those things is to basically be dysregulated your attention is dysregulated easily dysregulated your emotions are easily um uh you know your sense of your emotions are usually disre- dysregulated uh your energy levels they all of it is much more volatile um so the the urgency around finding center for me has felt like that it's felt urgent um so i think that's kind of what i I try to just present that learning in a kind of accessible way, and now that mm-hmm. I'm being a parent, it's that much more. The stakes are that much more. There's that much more pressure to kind of, to kind of do it. So, uh, what am I learning then? Like, so I guess I would say there's, uh, I mean, there's so many ways to talk about this, but right now, there's the kind of the the practice, the moment-to-moment practices of like checking in with a bigger perspective. Um, you know, that's what we were saying before around you know, there's a great Jack Cornville quote, happiness is wanting what you have period, (laughs) you know, or another Thich Nhat Hanh quote, you know, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. So the moment to moment practice of just going, "I choose this. I don't just choose this. I want this when it's hard. I want this learning because this is when it's hard. There is learning. That's what learning feels like. I, this is my curriculum, you know, this, this leaning into the hard stuff and constantly mm-hmm. instead of just freaking out about it and and like, or getting super resentful or angry about it, or it's like, Nope, can I, and I, so, but I do do those things, but I have to remember, okay, moment to moment, I choose this, I choose this. Um, and then there's the, in the moment when things go insane. So for, for, for a bipolar brain, you, what happens is the, The parietal lobe basically is what uh, regulates the limbic system. Mm -hmm. And in a bipolar brain, there's that, they don't, it doesn't work properly. So you basically get these intense experiences of arousal and there's no lid. It just, it's like the, (laughs) it's just like you're hitting the engine, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, that means you're, you just, in the moment for me, there's just when my little guy is absolutely freaking out. Um, I start freaking out, like I inside, um, and it's very hard for me to stay present. I, I just want to bolt or, you know, freaking throw my kid out the window or whatever, you know, all the urges and impulses. Um, so what I've, what helps me at that moment, um, uh, in, and I also want to say something after that a third thing about all the things, the wrappers, the self-regulation things we can do to take care of ourselves outside of in the moment, because mm-hmm. those are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the moment, what helps me is just this cleave down this this is what I I I say to I just say cleave down I got to go right down I got to shoot my attention straight down to my feet and I got to ground my attention in some sensation in the present moment that is not my mind freaking out that is not my emotions freaking out that is just something and it could be visual. you can do this too or sound but I I go through the body and I and it's got to be like Every moment is bearable one moment at a time. I got to go right down to Mm -hmm. just this moment. And guess what? In just this moment, I know you know this as a meditator, there's just sensation. If you can shrink wrap under, so you're down to just the sensation Mm -hmm. in your feet and that stuff is just on the periphery now, your thoughts, your feelings, then you can. it's so much more manageable. And I just have to remember at every moment, it's not even that different when I go home and see my wife. It's like, I put down my bags. I come to what's just in the moment. The question is, how much of an emergency is it? When it's a real emergency, you got to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. right down to the feet. And so, and that, what happens, it lets me, you know, and then also I may have to go, sweetie, I need to take a timeout. Can you h- handle this? And I try to get five minutes. Sometimes you need to do that because it's too much in the moment. But sometimes you can't because there's no one you can trade off with. So it's just like right down. Uh, and I'd say that to any parent, anyone, you know, if you can, that's what you break in case of emergency. That's the breaking case of emergency glass. It's like yep. right here, <clears throat> vertically down, you're shaving off the past, you're shaving off the future. You're just kind of like anchoring yourself in some sensation. Um, and it's amazing. Like within 30 seconds, Less the, the that that mm-hmm. bell shaped urge the reactivity freak out, it passes even for me and my I mean this is one aspect of bipolar the other aspect are the deep the endogenous shifts and mm-hmm. hypomania and uh, and for me I have less of the lows more of the crazy high um, mm-hmm. but anyway but that's so that that's how you you manage in the moment and uh, is how I do and like you said sometimes you get it sometimes you don't and then there's repair so recover mm-hmm. faster as, um, and then there's also as a neurodiverse person, um, you know, that's another big part of this is, and big part of what I try to do is encouraging people to see the uniqueness of their situations, their strengths and weaknesses and where, and how they can have a conversation with that in their immediate family group or friend, peer group, or community group, so that there can be this transparent understanding of where, of where you're in and where you're out. And when you, yep. and when, and where you need support. So you can literally like think of the bigger family as a giant, big, one big nervous system, one big brain. And yeah. there's the pride of like my, my mom, my wife's more the frontal lobe for yeah. her. She's got a better sense of planning things and whatever she's, you know, it's like, and I'm over here. I've got this, you know, I'm good on the amygdala. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and maybe there's some good brain stem activity there yeah. too. And then, you know, it's like, so who's, you know, And so you have to make sure that, that there's a full coverage of the basic functions between you and your partner and or your larger caregiver team, grandparents. And then eventually, of course, the, the kids move into that. But so having that view of how we regulate the whole system and then based on that view, what are the things that are, you need to do as a, that larger group in order to keep that functioning? So sometimes one part of that nervous system is going to need its own. It needs to go, it needs to go into the shop. You know, it needs yeah. to, you know, my wife, I'm like, I make her social plans because what her problem is she freezes and doesn't reach out to her friends. So I'll be like, I'll text my friend, T- Tasha. I'm like, Tasha, you got to go hang out with Sarah. And I'm making this plan for you right now because they're friends. Yeah. And it's like, that's, and then it, she's transformed. She gets one, I out with her friends and it's like, okay, um so you know that's a lot i know i just said i mean maybe it was a bit scattershot on account of the adhd no not
0: not no i think it was it was perfect it made perfect sense i think um i love that spread out image of a you know the connected nervous system in in a sense because um i don't think a lot of folks Quite get how much we're we're feeding in and off of and, and regulating yeah. and disregulating each other. I, I don't think it's common, necessarily common knowledge. And the family system is, I mean, I, I I like tripping out about you know the the larger organism at play. The family as an organism, the the you know lineage mm. as an organism itself. Like it, it, wow, it yeah. is. It's it's a, it's a living system of, of sorts. So I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, that happened last night. My wife went out with with her friends last night and three clicks softer today, you know, three three clicks more available.
1: Um, well, if, if you, if you think about that larger system, it's like if one person is miserable, really miserable in that everyone else around it is then compensating, you know, it's, yeah, even if yeah. they don't know themselves to be miserable, but they're being thrown off, they're dissociating out of this thing as their way or they're, or they're getting angry about that. You know, it's like, it just creates this enormous disruption. So you there's you have no choice but to be interested in the well-being of the whole unit. And by the way, this is true, of course, of the world. <laughs> What's yeah. true of the family yeah. is true of yeah. the of is true of the community, the city, the country, the world, you know, yeah. the planet.
0: Um, and then back to the, the, you know, the, you called it cleaving. What did you, you, you call yeah, it cleaving? cleaving down, cleaving, cleaving down, down. Yeah. <laughs> made me think about, you know, the, the embodiment element or the somatic sort of awareness that, that I teach and practice. Um, I, I just heard, do you know, Michaela Bohm, uh, spiritual, she mm-hmm. used to teach with David Data. Um, Oh, was she his partner? I'm not love partner, just teaching partner okay. for a while, as okay. far as I know, um, I really, I really enjoy her her perspective on things, and so she finally put things into a, you know, a twenty second clip that really landed for me, which was that one of the the most important parts of uh, interoception or just being able to even decipher what's happening in your body, is because it's it is that that momentary thing to hold on to, um, that can basically keep you from being swept away in any of the old traumatic patterns or thought loops or anything like that. And and it, it's just in a practical sense, if we can feel our body, then we mm-hmm. can be here. Right. And, and not get, uh, not, not just stay in the, in the swirl of everything. And I think that's pretty straightforward. And um, uh, I don't, I mean, something about it really clicked something oh fairly God, big yeah. into place. You know,
1: I don't, I don't know if it's, it's straightforward, but I don't know if it's obvious to people because it wasn't, yeah. You know, I it I I feel like I only really learned this in the past year that when the way to create a boundary is to stay connected to the feeling of my own body because yeah. I'm so sensitive. Yeah. I would get my yeah. kid would have a big reaction. I would get lost in that reaction. Or, yeah. Um. And but if I can in the moment just stay aware, literally of my feet uh, when yeah. he's doing this, it's it's completely different because now I know where yeah. I am. Before I I don't even. It's like, that to me is what you're talking about with the embodiment. Yeah. It's yeah. a radical, it's very simple. It's very radical and everybody needs to understand that tool.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, and it's really a, a graspable tool once you've had a little bit of experience with it. Right. Um, it, it, it's, it's real, it's practical. It's, it's not, uh, you know, it's visceral, I guess is it's, it's why it works for me. Um, cause as, cause yeah, I, well, you got a big uh, old teddy bear
1: embodied body, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah but i didn't right and um i have a, a pretty high level of sensitivity just to to uh energy and subtext and all of the other things too and i think i've uh, noticed that about you yeah having having the capacity to, to to have the body you know awareness kind of on dial up right on speed. so
1: how do course. you here's my my question for you how do you how do you manage to be both what do you do to stay both embodied and to not lose that sensitivity? Yeah. What is your, like, literally, where does your attention go in a moment? Is it just that you've got such a history of doing that it happens automatically, or do you have to be intentional about that?
0: So that's such a good question. So as I feel into it, the I, I think it was I think I absorbed it from my all of my time in the outside in nature. I, mm. I feel like that. I feel like that was the training ground. In yeah. which um, that kind of both, you know, the both cups were full in terms of open sensitivity, and then also, um, yeah, fully sort of grounded, present, present, present in, and present out, right? And actually, so last of of all things to talk about, which um, I don't know, I don't need to, I don't need to uh, preface it, but I led um, a first time hunters camp. It was a men's work retreat, but it was new mm-hmm. new hunters that had never hunted before. And there's something about that activity done in an intentional, careful, mindful way that really brought together the, just sitting in a field, like observing, looking for, for animals or signs or listening is it was, it was such a, to teach us actually last weekend was such a putting simple pieces together experience because, because it was, it was this moment where, um, it's incredibly meditative. It can be, it's, you know, it's sitting as still as you can, as quietly as you can for a very long time. Right. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. really good stuff happening, but, um, it also gives an experience of being present here and really opening the field of awareness in through all the senses. Right. So through sound mm-hmm. and through sight and through through feeling and through intuition and all of the things, and really just opening out, um, but in the moment, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not all, you know, I get my ass kicked by my kids all the time, literally and figuratively. Right. So, but uh, where do uh, you go? Where's
1: the bad place you like, what are your reactions that you're there and like, Oh man.
0: I mean, just shutting things down forcefully. Right. Like, hmm. like there's a, there's definitely a, um, and this, I may be taking this too far. I'm probably taking this too far, but a buddy of mine, who's a, I look up to him as a father. He raised too very, successful sons that are now adults. And he's like, you know, listen, um, you're going to want to develop a look with your kids. And I'm like, what do you mean a look? And he said, the look that means that you have now crossed the line, no more fucking around look. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I think I should. Um, so I think I can, uh, I definitely have times of far less patience than I think would be appropriate. And, um, and then you know, not violent, not—I mean, I guess in my lens, violent, but definitely can can get big and loud, and sometimes yeah. sometimes feel justified in doing so, which I think is clearly not uh, always, right. <laughs> you know, most mostly not right. Uh, but yeah, that's where I go for sure.
1: It's so useful to know your your things. You know, for me, it's uh, I either shut down, like I. I just like it's too much. I just want to read my book and I just kind of dissociate from the it, it as like my old one from being a kid. Or yeah. I'm or I get mad, you know, too mad, just like what you're yeah. saying. Or I get over like hyper vigilant, like over entangled, over too too tuned in to them and worrying about them. Yeah. And I have to, you know, hovery, which you, you know, you don't want to. Yeah, it's kind of good to know you're. Mm -hmm. know your what your shtick is (laughs) so you can catch it yeah um and
0: i think my other ugly would be well of many but one another one other ugly would be to um Make make things about my my wife about my partner just just with what's oh, ob- yeah. obvious you know blame shifting activity you know just oh, being yeah. overwhelmed and being it must be fucking her fault you know
1: that's, yeah totally because it
0: is <laughs> <that's>, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously Um uh, on the like, other know, where's
1: my shoes I'm like <laughs> where did you put my shoes where did you put my shoes she's like you put your shoes in, <laughs> uh, uh, get on. Uh, whoops <laughs> sorry son that's not how you're supposed to be mm.
0: um i wanted to share a a, a meditation dork <clears throat> moment with you um in that it was so my daughter how long how, how your youngest is three months six months what did you say six seven months now six youngest. seven months right so and we have a 10 month old who's almost 11 months um I might have shared this with you in our last call, but I don't think I did. But anyway, so it was the first day after Wilderness was born. Um, and uh, I had taken, I had budgeted my time off for my paternity leave um, pretty pretty fully. And then uh, the baby stayed inside for pretty much all of it. So we were in this weird spot where I was off work for like almost a month. Then baby came and then I was a bit in a panic. But anyway, the, the day after the birth, and she was born here in a really, really easeful way, comparatively to our first two. And um, so, it in, I'm actually in the bedroom, and and Elise and and the baby were sleeping, and I and I brought my uh, practice set up over here, my bench, and and I sat, and uh, and I, I I'll I'll never forget it. It was one of the most just clearly. Uh, beautiful sits of my whole life and I and I could hear my wife's breath and I could hear the baby's breath and I could hear how they like uh, intertwined you know together and yeah. and um, what what I found in the, in that practice session in a way I'd never have before was a I guess maybe maybe what it what I assumed it or what I interpreted as feeling what it actually meant to lay everything down like actually like like no doing whatsoever like no effort no anything and shit you know I thought I had certainly practiced that for a lot before but but it was a new it was like oh that was just practicing like that didn't it, it was it was so beautiful jeff it was such a um it was such a hugely impactful quiet uh experience and i just wanted to share it in this context
1: thank you i know love what you speak Uh, yeah that's that's it man that's the center of practice it's being genuinely available for that full percolating richness of the moment whatever it is this that natural intimacy with it and there's and you can always be more available. That's the thing. And so there there is a freshness and newness every time. yeah, but there's no, there's a sense of completeness too, every time. you know only later mm-hmm. do you realize it could be even more complete, but at the time it's, it, it's always complete. Uh, I heard to explain that I could get
0: you. Mm-hmm. Um, I really have only one more. Question that's kicking around right now, and that is, um, I'm curious if it's if are you at the place or the stage of uh, how should I ask this? Do you find yourself engaging either intentionally or just uh, unintentionally into visioning? Uh, like the future for your family specifically. Like 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 100%. what deci- what decisions you make, where what you know, yeah. where do you want to go? What do you think is the right direction for, for raising your children?
1: Great question. Great question. Yeah. Um, where I go with this and I'm trying to remember to do it as an evening a night practice before I go to sleep. Some nights I remember, some nights I don't. Um, what my the practice is. I visualize both a kind of scene about how I want our lives to be and what it feels like to be in the middle of it. And so the scene is always the same scene. I don't know where it is. Cause I don't yet. my parents, we don't own our home yet. We don't, we're still saving up. Like we're, there's still th- hurdles. And then I don't know exactly what will, so I don't know the specifics of the details, but I know the feeling. Hmm. And, and the, what I visualize, it's like, I see my, I see these doors thrown open into like a back garden, so there's nature and there's like this. The woods are beyond, and and I feel the la- And there's laughter in the. And it's in the kitchen, and there's the smell of cooking, and there are friends, and there my my kids are laughing, and my wife is smiling, and there's a sense of grounded, connected love with her and attraction, and there's a general feeling of just being uh, alive, you know, uh, emotionally alive, sexually alive, energetically alive. But grounded, 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 and I just feel that, and I, and it's like I—that's the lodestone, that's the north star. I know, and I, and I practice knowing it's—it's it's already here. I practice. I know part of the practice is knowing that it's already it is here. Of doing this as it's happening, feeling, letting myself feel those things in this moment, and I, I also keep it. It's like I, you keep these two sides of it, and I keep it as a kind of a thing that i'm aiming for um Mm. and i it's a huge it's been really really valuable for me because then it it, then i i don't get so anxious about how it'll what the specific details because i don't know what those are going to be but i know what it'll feel like
0: uh that's really beautiful i can i'll just um you know we we bought our house uh, just a year and three months ago. and our the, the word grounding sticks out as a theme here in general, right? grounding in the present, but also just the the bigger, like lar- you know, larger life grounding that happens too. And um, you know, i I know from you know some of you know your your past and what you did historically, a lot of adventures, a lot of travel, a lot of a lot of just you know being. I mean, I, I I relate with it, you know. I I was I just danced across the face of the earth for many many years there, and then as soon as the little one started, you know, coming alive, it's like holy shit, we got gotta get fucking home, right? Like we need totally, a we need a totally. we gotta plant, and and that has been the image we've always had. Is just like, you know, the this will just the roots will just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's it's really remarkable to be in the process, like actually feeling them, and it's and it, they're very real, you know, they're real in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, community and nervous system and just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were as, uh, I mean, I don't know comparatively, but we were so wildly, unfucking clear about how to mm-hmm. find our yeah. place and how to land in a place, and well,
1: you know, I'm happy for you, man. Yeah you got there and uh, there is definitely a patience quality f- that I have to try to cultivate. Cause I want it now, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, it's going to happen when it happens and this is the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, yeah. And that balance of finding it right now, like I choose this, you know, this is what I want, you know, um, knowing that there are also, there'll be a time when there'll be even more of that, those pieces in place. Yeah. You know?
0: All right, Jeff, well, let's finish with the normal podcast thing of, uh, you know, one, one sort of giveaway or takeaway or, or practice or for, so just imagine this isn't, isn't true yet, but imagine a million dads were listening to this. Cause that's, that's what I'm, I want to head toward, <laughs> but imagine they were, and um, what, what would be one, uh, I don't know, pithy specific tangible to, to, to consider for practice or for follow-up? dads Hmm.
1: yeah i mean i guess i would say uh the piece around just put down your bags you know that can you come to the table with you know fully present for what is here it's so profound like your 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 grudges, your agenda, your expectations the things that didn't get happened or wanted to have happened or all these things that we lay on our kids and our partner, um, you know, your own, the things you want for them, the things you, you know, that you don't want for them. Can you let those all, can you be a deliberate about just putting those down and just showing up for the creative possibility of what is right in front of you? There is no deeper practice. There is no, there's no, I can't think of a piece that's more important. Mm -hmm. You know, I know there are lots of important pieces, but it all happens. That's the, that's the ground where it all happens. That's where healing happens. That's where change happens. That's where creativity happens. That's where connection happens. That's where contact happens. Mm -hmm. So some way or practice for you to do that. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm working on. That's my number one.
0: Beautiful. And uh, what what are you are you full time dadding right now? Are you where where can people uh, are you still got a, a bunch of stuff run on a calm or where's your where's your where's your stuff yeah. these days? Yeah,
1: I I mean I so I have a bunch of free stuff. I do a free do nothing project on Sunday nights just for whoever. <laughs> a lot of parents actually do come to it, just a kind of uh, easy accessible window onto practice and um, and then I have. But I do stuff for the Consciousness Explorers Club, which is a nonprofit. And so those that's sort of a pro bono arm. But my behind a paywall, 10% Happier and Calm. I mean, I write the daily trip for Calm. And that has been actually very, very um, fulfilling for me. Uh, and it pays the bills right now. They're terrific to work with. And same with 10% Happier. And so the, some of that content is out there for free on my website, other places. Also, my Consciousness Explorers podcast, which is, of course, free um, but those other things are, they're kind of taking up most of my, <laughs> I mean, between the kids and those various jobs, that's a lot. And I do have a book I've been working on forever about kind of like what, but what is, what is med- the guided meditation? What is that art form? You know, what is it?
0: Yeah.
1: How is it? What is it? How does it work? And could the idea is to help, you know, democratize access to practice, to teaching people to be their own teacher, to give teach people to share practice, like mm-hmm. really making it more peer to peer um, showing that it's this incredibly creative medium, the practices we make in our lives are in a sense, the most creative things we have to create because <laughs> we're creating something out of reality. Uh, you know, so it's, that's kind of a big passion of mine. So I'm blabbing about that in various places, you know, awesome. Beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, well, th- thanks man for taking some of the precious time and I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you got, you got some lucky kids Underneath you, or behind you, or on your back, or wherever the fuck they are. We got some lucky kids
1: so. <laughs> mostly on my back. I appreciate it. That's a kind thing to say. Okay. Same with you. All
0: right, Jeff. Be well, man. Take care. All right. Thanks for listening to the end. You're my favorites. Always will be. Um, please check out Jeff's work at jeffwarren.com. Please. Send this episode to anybody who you think would be tickled by it and sending you my best in fathering and sending you my best in, in everything, love and life and work, everything that's going on. Thank you.